Hello, my name is Isaac, and today I will be reading Percy Jackson and the Battle of the Labyrinth, Chapter 12. I take a permanent vacation. I woke up feeling like I was still on fire. My skin stung, my throat felt dry as sand. I saw blue sky and trees above me. I heard a fountain gurgling and smelled juniper and cedar and a bunch of other sweet-scented plants. I heard waves, too, gently lapping on a rocky shore. I wondered if they were dead, but I knew better. I'd been, a, I'd been on the land of the dead, and there was no blue sky. I tried to sit up. My muscles felt like they were melting. Stay still, a girl's voice said. You're too weak to rise. She laid a cool cloth across my forehead. A bronze spoon hovered above me, and liquid was dribbled into my mouth. The drink soothed my throat and left a warm, chocolatey aftertaste. Nectar of the gods. Then the girl's face appeared above me. She had almond eyes and her caramel-colored hair braided it over one shoulder. She was fifteen, sixteen? It was hard to tell. She had one of those faces that just seemed timeless. She began singing, and, pain, and my pain dissolved. She was working magic. I could feel her music sinking into my skin, healing and repairing my burns. Who? I croaked. Shh, brave one, she said. Rest and heal. No harm will come to you here. I am Calypso. The next time I woke up, I was in a cave. But as far as caves goes, I've been in a lot worse. The ceiling glittered with different colored crystal formations. White, purple, and green, like I was in the inside of one of those cut geodes you see in souvenir shops. I was lying on a comfortable bed with feather pillow pillows and white cotton sheets. The cave was divided into sections by white silk curtains. Against one wall stood a large room and a harp. Against the other wall were shelves neatly stacked with jars of fruit pres preserves. Dried herbs hung from the ceiling. Rosemary, thyme, thyme, and a bunch of other stuff. My mother could have named them all. There was a fireplace built into the cave wall and a pot rubbing over the f bubbling over the flames. It smelled great like beef stew. I sat up trying to ignore the throbbing pain in my head. I looked at my arms, sure that they would be hideously scarred, but they seemed fine. A little, a little pinker than usual, but not that bad. I was wearing a white cotton t-shirt and, and cotton drawstring trousers that weren't mine. My feet were bare. In a moment of panic, I wondered what had happened to Riptide, but I felt it in my pocket, and there my, was my pen, right where it always reappeared. Not only that, but the stinging iron dog whistle was back in my pocket, too. Somehow it had fallen me, and that didn't exactly reassure me. With difficulty, with difficulty, I stood. The stone floor was freezing under my feet. I turned and found myself staring into a polished bronze, bronze mirror. Holy Poseidon, I muttered. I looked at myself as if I had lost ten kilos, and I couldn't afford to... I looked as if I had lost ten kilos and couldn't afford to lose... More. My hair was a rat's nest. It was singing to the edges like Hephaestus's beard. If I saw that face of somebody walking down a highway intersection asking for money, I would have locked the car doors. I turned away from the mirror. The cave entrance was to my left. I headed towards the daylight. The cave opened onto a green meadow. On the left was green was a grove of cedar trees, and on the right a huge flower garden. Four fountains. Gurgled in the meadow, 
each shooting water from the pipes of stone satyrs. Straight ahead, the grass sloped down to a rocky beach. The waves of the lake grass, the waves of the, of a lake, lapped across the stones. I could tell it was a lake because, well, I could, I just could. Fresh water, not salt. The sun sparkled on the water. The sky was pure blue. It seemed like a paradise, which immediately made me nervous. You deal with mythological stuff for a few years. You learn that paradises are usually the place where you get killed. The girl with the braided caramel hair, the one who'd called herself Calypso, was standing at the beach talking to someone. I couldn't see him very well in the shimmer of light from the sunlight from the water, but they appeared to be arguing. I tried to remember what I knew about Calypso from old myths. I heard the name before, but I couldn't remember. Was she a monster? Did she trap heroes and kill them? I don't know. But if she were evil, why was I still alive? I walked towards her slowly because my legs were still stiff. When the grass changed to gravel, I looked down to keep my balance. And when I looked up again, the girl was alone. She wore a white sleeveless green dress with a low circular neckline trimmed in gold. She brushed at her eyes like she'd been just been crying. Well, she said, trying for a smile. The sleeper finally awakes. Who are you talking to? My, mo- my voice sounded like a frog. I'd just spent time in a microwave. Oh, just a messenger, she said. How do you feel? How long have I been out? Time, Calypso mused. Time is always difficult here. Honestly, I don't know, Percy. You know my name? You talk in your sleep. I blushed. Yeah, I've uh, been told that before. Yes, who is Annabeth? Oh, uh, a friend. We were together when... Wait, how did I get here? Where am I? Calypso reached up and ran her fingers through my mangled hair. Stepped back nervously. I'm sorry, she said. I'm just going used to caring for you. As to how you got here, you fell from the sky. You landed in the water just there. She pointed across the beach. I don't know how you survived. The water seemed to cushion your fall. As to where you are, you were in Ojijia. She pronounced it like Ojijia. Is that near Mount St. Helens? I asked, because my geography was pretty terrible. Calypso laughed. It was a small, restrained laugh, but she found me really funny but didn't want to embarrass me. She was cute when she laughed. It isn't near anything, brave one, she said. Ajigia is my phantom island. It exists by itself anywhere and nowhere. You can heal here in safety. Never fear. But my friends, Annabeth, she said, and Grover and Tyson? Yes, I have to go back to them. They're in danger. She touched my face. I didn't want to back away this time. Rest first. You're no good, dear friends, until you heal. As soon as, soon as she said it, I realized how tired I was. You're... You're not some evil sorceress, are you? She smiled coyly. Why would you think that? Well, I met Circe once, and she had a pretty nice island, too. Except she liked to turn men into guinea pigs. Calypso made that laugh again. I promise I will not turn you into a guinea pig. Or anything else? I am no evil sorceress, Calypso said. And I am not your enemy, brave one. Now rest. Your eyes are already closing. She was right. My knees buckled, and I would have landed face first in the gravel if Calypso hadn't caught me. Her hair smelled like cinnamon. She was very strong, or maybe she... I was just weak and thin. 
She walked me back to a cushioned beach in, by a fountain and helped me lie down. Rest, she ordered, and I fell asleep to the sound of fountains and the smell of cinnamon and juniper. The next day I woke, it was night, but I wasn't sure if it was the same night or many nights early or later. I was in the bed of the cave, but I rose and wrapped a robe around myself and patted outside. The stars were brilliant, thousands of them, like the the only the ones you only see out in the country. I could make out all the constellations Annabeth had taught me. Capricorn, Pegasus, Sagittarius, and there, near the southern horizon, was a new constellation, the Huntress, a tribute to a friend of ours who had died last winter. Percy, what do you see? I brought my eyes back to Earth. However amazing the stars were, Calypso was twice as brilliant. I mean, I've seen the goddess of love herself, Aphrodite, and I would never have said this out loud or she'd blast me to ashes, but for my money, Calypso was a lot more beautiful. Just because she seemed so natural, like she wasn't trying to be beautiful, and didn't even care about that. But she just was. Her braided hair and white dress, she seemed to glow in the moonlight. She was holding a tiny, tiny plant in her hands. Her flowers were silver and delicate. I was just looking at, I found myself staring at her face. Uh, I forgot. She laughed gently. Well, as long as you're up, you can help me plant these. She handed me a plant, which had a clump of earth and roots at the base. The flower glowed as I held them. Calypso picked up her gardening spade and directed it to the edge of the garden, where she began to dig. That's moon school, Calypso explained. It can only be planted at night. I watched the silvery light flicker around the petals. What does it do? Do? Calypso mused. It doesn't really do anything, I suppose. It lives. It gives light. It provides beauty. Does it have to do anything else? I suppose not, I said. She took the plant, and her hands met. Her fingers were warm. She planted the moonsicle and stepped back, surveying her work. I love my garden. It's awesome, I agreed. I mean, I wasn't exactly a gardening type, but Calypso had arbors covered with six different colors of roses, lettuces filled with honeysuckle, rows of grapevines bursting with red and purple grapes that would make Dionysus sit up and beg. Back home, I said, my mom always wanted a garden. Why did she not plant one? Well, we live in, in Manhattan, in an apartment. Manhattan? Apartment? I stared at her. You don't know what I'm talking about, do you? I fear not. I haven't left the Gigia in, well, a long time. Well, Manhattan's a big city. There's not much gardening space. That is sad. Calypso frowned. Hermes, visit, Hermes visits me from time to time. He tells me the world outside has changed greatly. I did not realize it had changed so much you cannot have gardens. Why haven't you left your island? She looked, so she looked down. It is my punishment. Why? What did you do? I? Nothing. But I am afraid my father did a great deal. His name is Atlas. The name sent a shiver down my spine. She'd made, I'd met the Titan Atlas last winter. It had not been a happy time. He tried to kill pretty much any everyone I cared about. Still, I said hesitantly, it's not fair to punish you for what your father's done. I knew a daughter of Atlas. Her name was Zoe. She was one of the bravest people I've ever met. 
Calypso studied me for a long time. Her eyes were sad. What is it? I asked. Are you healed yet, my brave one? You think you'll be ready to leave soon? What? I asked. I don't know. I moved my legs. They were still stiff. I was getting dizzy from standing up so long. You want me to go? I... Her voice broke. I'll see you in the morning. Sleep well. She ran off towards the beach. I was too confused to do anything but watch until she disappeared in the in the dark. I didn't know exactly how much time passed. Like Calypso said, it was hard to keep track on the island. I knew I, I should be leaving. At the very least, my friends would be worried. Uh, worst, they'd be in serious danger. I didn't even know if Annabeth had, Annabeth had made it out of the volcano. I tried to use my empathy link with Grover several times, but I couldn't make contact. I hated not knowing if they were all right. On the other hand, I was really weak. I really was weak. I couldn't stay on my feet for more than hour, for more than a few hours. Whatever I'd done in Saint Mount St. Helens had drained me so much like nothing I'd ever else experienced. I didn't feel like a prisoner or anything. I remember the Lotus Casino in Vegas, where I'd been lured into this um, amazing game world until I found myself until I almost forgot about everything I cared about. But the island of Ajigia wasn't like that at all. I thought about Anne, Beth, Grover, and Tyson constantly. I remembered exactly why I needed to leave. I just couldn't. And then there was Calypso. She never talked much about herself. That just made me want to know more. I would sit in the meadow, sipping nectar, and I'd try to concentrate on the flowers or the clouds or the reflections on the lake. But I was really staring at Calypso as she worked. Wish she brushed her hair over her shoulder, the little strand that fell on her face whenever she knelt to dig in the garden. Sometimes she would hold out her hands, and birds would fly out of the woods to settle on her arm. Lorikeets, parrots, doves. She would say good morning to them, ask how it was going, back at the nest, and they would and they would chirp for a while, then fly off cheerfully. Calypso's eyes gleamed. She would look at me, and we'd share a smile, but almost immediately, she'd get that sad expression again and turn away. <clears throat> I didn't understand what was bothering, bothering her. One night, we were eating dinner together back at the beach. Invisible servants had set up a table with beef stew and apple cider, which may not sound all that exciting, but that's because you haven't tasted it. I hadn't, noted, I hadn't even noticed the invisible servants when I first got to the island, after a while, I became aware of the beds making themselves, meals cooking on their own, clothes being washed and folded by unseen hands. Anyway, Calypso and I were sitting at dinner. She looked beautiful in the candlelight. I was telling about her about New York and Camp Half-Blood. I started telling her about the time Grover had eaten an apple while we were playing hacky-sacky with it. She laughed, showing her amazing smile. Her eyes met. Then she dropped her gaze. There it is again, I said. What? You keep pulling away like you're trying not to enjoy yourself. She kept her eyes on her glasses of cider. As I told you, Percy, I've been punished. punished, Cursed, you might say. How? Tell me. I want to help. Don't say that. Please don't say that. Tell me what the punishment is. She covered her half-finished stew with a napkin, and immediately an invisible servant whisked the bowl away. Percy, this island, Ajigia, is my home, my birthplace, but it is also my prison. I am under 
house arrest, I guess you could call it. I'll never visit this Manhattan of yours, or anywhere else. I'm alone here, because your father was Atlas. The gods do not trust their enemies. And rightly so, I, sh I should not complain. Some of the prisoners are not nearly, some of the prisons are not nearly as nice as mine. That's not fair, just because you're related doesn't mean you support him. This other daughter I knew, Zoe Knight, she, she fought against him. She wasn't in prison. But Percy, Calypso said gently, I did support him in the first war. He's my father. What? But the Titans are evil. Are they? All of them? All the time? She pursed her lips. Percy, tell me. I have no wish to argue with you, but do not, do you support the guards, gods because you want to? And they're good, or because they were your, they're your family? I didn't answer. She had a point. Last winter after Annabeth and I had saved Olympus, the god, the gods had had a debate about whether or not they should kill me. That hadn't been exactly good, but still I felt like I supported them because Poseidon was my dad. Perhaps I was wrong in the war, Calypso said. And in fairness, the gods have treated me well. They visit me from time to time. They bring me word from the outside world. But they can leave. I cannot. You don't have any friends, I asked. I mean, wouldn't anyone else want to live here with you? It's a nice place. A tear trickled down her cheek. I, I promised myself I wouldn't speak of this, but she was interrupted by a rumbling, rumbling sound somewhere out on the lake. The glow appeared on the horizon. It got brighter and brighter until I could see a column of fire moving across the surface of the water coming towards us. I stood up and reached for my sword. What is that? Calypso sighed. A visitor. As the column of fire reached the beach, Calypso stood and bowed to it formally. The flames dissipated. Standing before us was a tall man in gray overalls and a metal leg brace, his beard and hair smoldering with fire. Lord Hephaestus, Calypso said. This is a rare honor. The fire god grunted. Calypso, beautiful as always. Would you excuse us, please, my dear? I need to have a word with our young Percy Jackson. Hephaestus sat down clumsily at the dinner table and ordered a Pepsi. This invisible servant, the invisible servant brought him one, opened it too suddenly and sprayed soda all over the god's work clothes. Hephaestus roared and spat a few curses and swatted the can away. Stupid servants, he muttered. Good automatons is what she needs. They never act up. Hephaestus, I said. What's going on, is Annabeth? She's fine, he said. Resourceful girl, that one. Found her way back, told me the whole story. She's worried sick, you know. You haven't told her I'm okay? That's not for me to say, Hephaestus said. Everyone thinks you're dead. I had to be pretty sure you were coming back before I started telling everyone where you were. What do you mean? I said, of course I'm coming back. Festa studied me skeptically. He fetched something out of his pocket, a metal disc the size, of an, the size of an iPod. He clicked a button and it expanded into a miniature bronze TV. On the screen was news footage of Mount St. Helens, a huge plume of fire and ash trailing into the sky. Still uncertain about further eruptions, the newscaster was saying. Authorities have searched I've ordered the evacuation of about half a million people as a precaution. Meanwhile, ash has fallen as far away as Lake Taboe in Vancouver, and the entire Mount St. Helens area is closed to traffic with a 100-mile radius. No deaths have been reported. Minor injuries and illnesses include 
Hephaestus switched it off. You can, you cause quite an explosion. I stared at the blank brown screen. Half a million people evacuated? Injuries? Illnesses? What had I done? The, cal- the telecons were scattered, the god told me. Some vaporized, some got away, no doubt. I don't think they'll be using my, using, using my forge anytime soon. On the other hand, neither will I. The explosion caused Typhon to stir in his sleep. We'll have to wait and see. I couldn't release him, could I? I mean, I'm not that powerful. The god grunted. Not that powerful, eh? Could have fooled me. You're the son of an earth, of the earth shaker, lad. You don't know your own strength. That's the last thing I wanted him to say. I hadn't been in control myself on that mountain. I'd released so much energy I'd almost vaporized myself. It drained all the life out of me. Now I found out I'd nearly destroyed the Northwest USA and, mo- and almost awoken the most horrible monster ever imprisoned by the gods. Maybe I was just too dangerous. Maybe it was safer for my friends to think I was dead. What about Grover and Tyson? I asked. Hephaestus shook his head. No word, I'm afraid. I suppose the labyrinth has them. So what am I supposed to do? Hephaestus winced. Don't ask an old cripple for advice, lad. But I'll tell you this. You've met my wife, Aphrodite? That's her. She's a tricky one, lad. Be careful of love. He'll twist your brain around and leave you thinking up is down and right is up. And wrong is right and right is wrong. I thought about my meeting with Aphrodite in the back of the white Cadillac in the desert last winter. She told me that she'd taken special interest in me. She'd be making things hard for me in the romance department just because she liked me. Is this part of her plan? I asked. Did she land me here? Possibly. Hard to say with her. But if you decide to leave this place, I don't say what's right or wrong. Then I promised you an answer to your quest. I promised you the way to Deadless. Well, now, here's the thing. It has nothing to do with Arachne's string. Not really. Sure, the string works. That's what the Titan's army are after. But best way through the maze... Theseus had the princess's help. A princess was a regular mortal. Not a drop of god blood in her. But she was clever. And she could see, lad. She could see very clearly. So what I'm saying, I think you know how to navigate the maze. I sang. It sank in finally. Why hadn't I seen it before? Her had been right. The answer was there all the time. Yeah, I said. Yeah, I know. Then you'll need to decide whether or not you're leaving. I... I wanted to say yes, of course I would, but the words stuck in my throat. I found myself looking at the lake, and suddenly the ideas of leaving seemed very hard. Don't decide, Hephaestus advised. Wait until daybreak. Daybreak is a good time for decisions. Will Daedalus even help us? I mean, if he gives Luke a way to navigate the labyrinth, we're dead, I asked. I saw dreams about Daedalus killed his nephew. He turned bitter and angry, and it isn't easy being a brilliant inventor, Hephaestus rumbled. Always alone, always misunderstood. Easy to turn bitter, make horrible mistakes. People are more difficult to work with than machines. When you break a person, you can't be fixed. Hephaestus brushed last drops of Pepsi off his work clothes. Daedalus started well enough. He helped the princess Arachne and Theseus get, because... He felt sorry for them. He tried to do a good deed, and everything in his life went bad because of it. Was that fair? The god shrugged. I don't know if Daedalus will help you, lad, but don't judge someone until 
you've stood at his forge and worked with his hammer, eh? All right, I'll try. Hephaestus stood. Good, goodbye, lad. You did well destroying the telekines. I'll always remember you for that. It sounded very final, that goodbye. Then he interrupted into a call of a flame, and the fire moved over the water, heading back to the world outside. I walked along the beach for several hours. When I finally came back to the meadow, it was very late, maybe four or five in the morning. The Calypso was still in her garden, tending the flowers by starlight. Her moonless glowed silver, and the other plants were sparting to the magic, glowing red, yellow, and blue. He's ordered you to return, Calypso guessed. Well, not ordered. He gave me a choice. Her eyes met mine. I promise I would not offer. Offer what? For you to stay. Stay, I said. Like, forever? You'd be mortal on this island, she said quietly. You would never age or die. You would leave the fight to others, Percy Jackson. You would escape your prophecy. I stared at her, stunned. Just like that? She nodded. Just like that. But, my friends. Clipso rose and took my hand. Her touch sent a warm current through my body. You asked about my curse, Percy. I did not want to tell you. The truth is, the gods send me companionship from time to time. Every thousand years or so, they allow a hero to wash up on my shores. Someone who needs my help. I tend to him and befriend him, but it is never random. Fake make sure that the sort of hero they send her voice trembled and she had to stop I squeezed her hand tighter what what have I done to make you sad they send a person who can never stay she whispered he who can never accept my offer of companionship for more than a little while they send me a hero I can't help just the sort of person I can't help I can't help falling in love with the night was quiet except for the grudge gurgle of the fountains and the waves lapping on the shore. It took me a while to realize what she was saying. Me? I asked. If you could see your face. She suppressed a smile, though her eyes were still teary. Of course you. That's why you've been pulling away all, the all this time? I tried very hard, but I cannot help it. The fates are cruel. They sent you to me, my brave one, knowing that you would break my heart. But, I just, I mean, it's just me. That is enough, Calypso promised. I told myself I would not speak of this. I would not let you go without even offering. I would let you go without even offering, but I can't. I suppose the fates knew that too. You could stay with me, Percy. I'm afraid that is the only way you can help me. I stared at the horizon. The first red streaks of dawn were lightening the sky. I could stay here forever. Disappear from the earth. I could live with Calypso with invisible servants tending my every need. We could grow flowers in the garden and talk to, talk to songbirds and walk on the beach in the perfect blue skies. No war, no prophecy, no more taking sides. I can't, I told her. She looked down sadly. I would never do anything to hurt you, I said. But my friends need me. I know I have to help them now. I have to get back. She picked a, fl a flower from her garden. A spring from silver moonlace. It glowed. Its glow faded as the sunrise came up. Daybreak is a good time for decisions, Festus has said. Calypso tucked the flower into my t-shirt pocket. She stood on her tiptoes and kissed me on the forehead like a blessing. Then come to the beach, my hero. 
and we will send you on your way. The raft was a three-meter square of logs lashed together with a pole of mast and simple white linen sail. It didn't look like it was a very seaworthy or lake-worthy. This will take you wherever you desire, Calypso promised. It is quite safe. I took her hand, but she let it slip out of mine. Maybe I can visit you, I said. She shook her head. No man ever finds a Gigia twice, Percy. When you leave, I will never see you again. But go, please. Her voice broke. The fates are cruel, Percy. Just remember. Then a little trace of her smile returned. Plant a garden for Manhattan for me, will you? I promise. I stepped onto the raft. Immediately, it began to sail from the shore. As it sailed into the lake, I realized the fates were cruel. I sent Calypso, someone she couldn't help but fall in love with. But it worked both ways. For the rest of my life, I would be thinking about her. She would always be my biggest what-if. Within minutes, the islands of Ajigia was lost in the mist. I was sailing alone over the water towards the sunrise. Then I told the raft what to do. I said the only place I could think of because I needed comfort and friends. Camp Half-Blood, I said. Sail me home. And that was the end of chapter 12. Quite a sad ending, if you ask me. Probably, I don't know, I think it's one of the sad chapters. One of the most depressing chapters. Also, I know my voice is not the best, but I I waited two days. Usually I try posting on Sundays, um, but I really tried getting it out to you, so hopefully it's not too bad. Uh, and sounded something like that. <clears throat> so, um, yeah. Also, I don't know. I'm feeling kind of demotivated right now to post. I might post once a week. I'll, I'll really, 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 really try to post once a week. Um, yeah. I don't know when I'll post or yeah, cause yeah. See you next time. Um, yeah. Also, please do go to podbean.com or download the app Podbean and, um, uh, comment. What, what would you have done? Would you stayed with Calypso? If you, if you were Percy, then would you have stayed with Calypso? Would you have gone home? Uh, yeah. I, I would really like knowing. Please go to podbean.com or download the app Podbean, uh, search Percy Jackson, and uh, I think it should be the first one to pop up. <clears throat> yeah. Also, um, you could please, um, any comments, questions, concerns, complaints, anything. I'd love to do a Q&A eventually. <clears throat> Sometime, maybe 3,000 downloads, but I mean... I've asked for a little while to get a single queue. Um, I don't, you can say too if you want to be anonymous. I don't have to say your username or you could just not get a username and your username could be like SXPQYWF. Yeah, whatever. <clears throat> um, yeah, but I, I'm really curious. What would you have done? I don't know. I think I would have traveled back. But we'll see. Thank you for listening to this episode of Percy Jackson.